Hi, I'm Amana. And I'm Mawinio. And you are listening to The Elephants in the Room. Hello and welcome to our fourth episode. Today we're going to be discussing the elephant of school curriculum. But first, how are you doing today, Mourinho? Today, do you know when you just have one of those weeks where everything that could go wrong is going wrong? Literally one of those weeks I've had today. Um, Top tip, do not leave your laptop underneath your bed if you have size eight feet because you're going to wake up and step on it and crack the screen. So yeah, my laptop broke this week. I was so mad and I called Dell Support. Yeah, I called Dell Support and Dell Support wanted to charge me £150. I said, do I look like a mug? <laughs> like £150 for a That's laptop that so costs bad. like, right, a laptop that costs like around 500 I said, bet, I'm going to go on YouTube. I'm going to figure out how to fix this and I'm going to fix this because I will not be robbed by this England today. <laughs> so um, yeah, <laughs> I went on YouTube like an engineer and I fixed my laptop like a boss. So before you ever pay any kind of service, just see, can I do this myself? Is there a video on YouTube? Yeah, nine times out of ten, there is a video. So yeah, that was my. Wait, so you literally replaced the screen. Yeah, literally. You should have seen it with my bare hand, screwdriver and all. Like I literally <laughs> took apart the screen. I said, I will not give my money to Dell Support. <laughs> Do not so, give your money yeah. to those corporations. No. no. <laughs> No, I guess it did end it on a high that I fixed it and I felt really happy about that. But um, I was just mad that my laptop broke and that someone oh, was going to yeah, charge me so 150 for it. But anyway, what about you, Amana? How was your week? Yeah, my week was okay. Like it was, I'm fully, I'm fully immersed in my dissertation. So it's kind of like, it's everywhere. Like imagine I literally had a dream last night where, so I'd meant to ask for an extension for some piece of work and then I didn't ask for it in time. So then I got capped at 40. Imagine that as the dream. Oh no, oh no. That is like, so lame other people probably having dreams about like interesting things here I am having dreams about oh yeah you got capped to 40 because you forgot to ask for the extension and then the deadline passed but yeah I'm actually no I'm good I'm looking forward to the restrictions easing obviously that was like very welcome news like June 21st here I come here we go I'm ready for that hot girl summer you know gonna get my outfits planned I feel like one of those memes where people have got their outfit laid next to the bed bed. (laughs) like genuinely I've been loving the memes that have been coming out of this so I'm excited to for things to ease. There is an anticipation, like, what is it going right. to be like? But, yeah, I saw one which was one meme which said, on June 21st, it will be Freshers Week for the whole country. <laughs> like, it genuinely is that. It's yeah, but be... Freshers Week, you got Freshers Flu right after, so oh, yeah, is it no, going to be COVID you. again? <laughs> oh, my gosh, that would be the worst turn of events. I'm excited, but I'm also, like, sceptical, you know. We, we've got it. We've got to see, okay. keep kind of realistic as well right to our favorite segment which is the dish of the week and i'm going to start off with my dish and made some fajitas with some margaritas i'm joking i didn't make margaritas but i just wanted to put that together but i did make fajitas which i think i make them the best in the world i make them better than your mom better than your grandma better than your great great grandma better than anyone you know do you know the dish that you have if you're trying to impress someone your friends or i don't know a man like you would make that that is fajitas i make that and i make it like a boss so what I did is you know you just start with your seasonings with your chicken and seasoning you're doing your salt your mixed herb your all-purpose seasoning your stock cubes and paprika don't don't be missing out on paprika and you're gonna allow that to marinate for 30 minutes 
while you're doing that, you're cooking your veggies. I guess the correct phrase is steaming them. But what people don't do when they um, add their onions, their mixed peppers, they don't season them. And this bewilders me. Add seasoning to your vegetables. <laughs> add salt, add black pepper, go again and add soy sauce. I tell no word of a lie. Soy sauce is that sauce. It just makes everything just mm. alive. Like the, the pot even like fumes when you add soy sauce. So then you do that, allow it to cook for 30 minutes and then you preheat, preheat your wraps in the oven, add cheese to your base and then literally add your fajita mix into it, roll it up. You can add, if you want, I don't know, guacamole, chili sauce, barbecue sauce. I think keep it basic, keep it neat and you've really got an keep amazing it neat. wrap. <laughs> Yeah, you've got an amazing wrap. I'm expecting, when lockdown eases, I'm expecting a fajita. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Yeah. I remember when I came around to yours and we had, um, you do a good fry up. You made like really nice breakfast. Oh, do you know what? That's the second dish of the week next week. My fry ups. <laughs> They're legendary as well. Yeah, I haven't had the fajitas though. <laughs> what about so you? I'm going to be coming around. My dish of the week was, so my, me and my housemate tried our hand at ramen, making it from scratch, okay. which is not usually really my vibe. Like I really like, I like noodles and I do kind of like soup, but it's not really, with something like ramen, you've got to eat it mm-hmm. slowly because it's so hot and there's a lot of vegetables in there. And as much as I like vegetables, sometimes ramen isn't really my thing, but actually this right. one is super good. We It was quite time consuming because you've got to do all the veg. But actually, when, yeah. when it comes to the actual making of it, it's not that complicated. So we had some miso paste in there. We did those chunky noodles. I can't remember the name of them. But it was just a good kind of cold weather, warmer, really filling, spicy, nice. just goodness in there. I felt like cleansed <laughs> after having it. So yeah, <laughs> did you have meat in it? Ramen, guys. Yeah, we did. We did chicken in the oven with sesame oil and soy sauce and... Um, some sesame seeds on top roasted it was so good and we also boiled some eggs and like we'd made it look really pretty i'll um send you a picture yeah do you know so we should upload sick. it we should upload it to the to our yeah we could do that on our Instagram. Instagram. that's a good idea yeah for sure mm. well we we know that pescatarian um january or is over it didn't <laughs> we know that amana's <laughs> back on the meat train <laughs> i can't get off mom i can't get off no um it's the train has very much left the station. The train has very much left the station and um, I'm on it. See you, see you veggies later. <laughs> no, um, we'll be uh, trying to eat still vegetarian in a lot of senses, but sometimes, girl, you just need just need some meat. So we're now going to talk about our conspiracy theories this week. So we've decided to take a bit of a turn. We're both going to give a conspiracy theory and we're going to look at conspiracy theories about films we watched when we were younger. For loads of us, there's films that we watched when we were younger and it was kind of like, there's something not right here. There's something kind of unsettling. Some things just don't really add up and you can't really put your finger on it when you're a kid. But now that we're older, we want to look back and look at these films that we maybe found a bit odd when we were younger and think about why it was they were. So what's your film this week for the conspiracy? My film this week is Finding Nemo and Pixar is legendary for having like little nuggets or little unsettling things during their film. And so the conspiracy theory is, is that when the Barracuda attacked Nemo and his family, that the Barracuda actually killed everyone. And this is because Nemo actually means no one in Latin. So what 
conspiracy theorists have put together is that Nemo actually doesn't exist and he's just a figment of Marlin's imagination to help him cope with the trauma of losing his whole family. So this is why you see in the film he's very controlling, very overprotective. He's scared to let Nemo go to flipping school and, you know, he doesn't want to let Nemo go. And so the theory is that yeah, Nemo was never there. Nemo is dead. He's a figment of Marlin's imagination. So he's imagination. still dead. Yeah, and the whole film apparently is Marlin's process of letting go, of letting Nemo go. Yeah, it's quite deep when you think wow. of it like that, right? Really I'm not. Sad. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Like Finding Nemo was one of those films that I didn't completely enjoy without any kind of discomfort. Like it was definitely a bit scary. Yeah, especially the dentist scene. Yeah, the dentist scene with the girls trying to steal him. And then also just the fact that the dad's really controlling. There's a lot of moments in the scene which are quite dark. And obviously, it's not bad to have dark moments in a film. Yeah, some of it is quite like unsettling is the word. Like you just can't put your finger on it. For sure, for sure. Which is very similar to my one, The Polar Express is the one that I chose to do. Me and my sister, we watched this over Christmas. Shout out to you, Annabelle. I know that you find this <laughs> as well. Rewatching it, we were just thinking, this is really weird. There's something really off about some of the characters. And then we found out that Tom Hanks voices four of the characters. So four of the main characters are him. And so mm-hmm. it's the boy, the guy on the roof of the train, who's like a ghost, I think, the conductor of the train, and Santa are all Tom Hanks. So there's that first thing of there's there's a lot of like conflation between the characters because you they all kind of sound quite similar, but obviously Tom Hanks is good at he does the voice as well. Mm-hmm. But the reason for doing this is obviously not a budget thing. They had a massive budget for the film. So this has led a lot of people to consider whether there's a reason in terms of the plot for right. him doing all the voices. And so some theories say that perhaps the guy on the top of the train is an example of what the boy would have been if he'd never got on the train, if he decided not to go to the North Pole because he was sceptical right. when he first gets on. And the conductor could be like the version of the boy who did get on the train and is is now like helping other kids to find Santa. Oh. That's not the weirdest thing, though. There's just so many little kind of details. For example, when the girl, one of the girls takes hot chocolates when they all get given hot chocolates on the train and she right. takes three, but you only see two of them going somewhere. And it's just little things where you're like, there's something not right here. I don't trust this. The characters are weird. Like the guy on the roof is so creepy. Yeah, there um, are weird characters. I don't know. It's when, it's when you watch it back and you're just like, I can't believe I watched this. And I remember when I was a kid thinking this is weird, but you can't put your finger on it when you're a child. Yeah. And now I'm looking at it and thinking there's definitely something going on here. This week, the elephant in the room is schools, in particular school curriculums. While schools have been in the news a lot recently, not much is being said about what is actually being taught in school. That's right. So we all went to school and we all had lessons, but what did we actually learn in them? Maybe it was Bunsen burners in science or scratch in ICT or learning to make a box for your desk and design technology. We all have memories of school lessons where we were taught an array of skills or perhaps we were just praying for a supply teacher. But how useful were these actually for later life? And do we actually remember any of it? In England, we have a national curriculum first introduced by the Education Reform Act of 1988, which is a set of subjects and standards used by primary and secondary schools so children all learn the same things. It covers what subjects are taught and the standards that children should reach in each of these subjects. So today we want to delve a little bit deeper into this curriculum and consider what it achieves for the education of England's young people, drawing on our own experiences and research 
to think about how useful it, what we learn in school is and actually what counts as useful anyway. So first, Mourinho, I just want to ask you a question. What do you feel like you learned in school? Do you feel like you learned stuff? When we, were, we obviously went to school together. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you learned things in school? Um, hmm. What were lessons like? Okay, what I learned in school is that I have me and my friends can make some really good songs. <laughs> we can make some really good songs and harmonize really well, especially in PE changing locker rooms, right? The oh harmonies yes. that'll be going on, the new songs that have been created. I learned that we can do that really well in school. Another thing I learned is that supply teachers supply teachers need to be vetted actually and find out what they're doing before <laughs> they just become our supply teachers but um but yeah I, I think there are some things I've learned in school that can I you think, give us a oh, little rendition of a what? song have you heard me sing <laughs> I need I need my friend Funke to actually but we had this song that went girl put your trousers on oh, don't want to see your thong I don't want to see your bum bum oh well <laughs> you need some aqua fresh don't wanna smell oh your my gosh. breath. That song was so savage. Literally, we had verses like verses <laughs> and choruses from that song. Literally, no, so, trust me. Shout we'll, out to we'll, we will release it. We will release it on Spotify. <laughs> so yeah, we'll so, upload it. <laughs> honestly, so that's one thing that um that I think I learned at school. Um, harmonizing with friends, making up new songs. Hmm. Some lessons I do think are kind of like pointless. PSHE. Now that I'm looking back. We went to a girl's school. I just don't understand why they didn't talk more about periods and more about mm. what that is like. We talked about such irrelevant topics that didn't even have any kind of weight in, until what we're actually going through in our lives. But everyone at that age was going through a period. I had horrible periods and just didn't really know how to manage them. Still trying to figure out now. So I just think some of the stuff we were taught just didn't really help us. But then... For example, me and my friend, like, we were trying to make some hair oils. And actually, the lessons I learned in science suddenly came flooding back to me about when we were trying to mix the quantities. Yeah, we were thinking, like, you have to think of the thickness of the oil, like, the boiling point, the the temp, like, everything started to be like, school is useful. It was like a light bulb moment that school was useful. So at parts, I do think it's useful. Sometimes it's a bit irrelevant. What about you, Amanda? What's your opinions on it? Do you think what we're taught is actually useful? I feel like I have a few, in my head, I have a few little memories of being in actual lessons. And then the rest of school is, like you said, being in the changing room singing, girl, I can smell your odour. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) but genuinely, so, and then all like being in the playground. I remember when I was in year seven, my calculator broke. And then me, Funke and Alana were like, we need to do a funeral for it. And so we... We buried it. We did a little service. This is the kind of thing I was using my time for in school. No, but on a real, on a real, on a real level. I remember in science doing, do you remember our science coursework? We did osmosis in a potato. And that was the most boring thing I ever learned. It was kind of useful, I guess, to understand how those kind of, how those kind of things work. But I think for someone who wasn't very interested in science, I just found it quite boring. And then I remember for the physics one, it was like about watching a kite fall and how fast it would fall and why it falls and the way it does. And some of that stuff does feel really pointless. I think in terms of the exercise that it did for my brain, that was probably a good thing. Because I remember finding my science coursework really hard, but then I got to the end of it. And so I think sometimes it's like that, that process would have probably helped me to write better or to understand things or to to be able to ask for help like school definitely taught me to ask questions better and Mm -hmm. in terms of PSHCE 
I think you're right. Like a lot of it is very not useful. I feel like what we got taught in PSHC at school was don't have sex. Yeah. (laughs) Don't take drugs. (laughs) And that was about it. And I think that I only learned about the dangers or the realities of those various things like that in within those topics when I left school in real life right you know through friends through tv shows so I don't feel like there was any kind of there was a lack of honesty but then it was also not helped by the fact that we had we often would have male teachers teaching it to us oh don't even talk about male teachers and the length of your school scar and and even having to police that that's a whole other topic for a whole another podcast 100 problematic right there do you think that there should be subjects taught in school that are not taught in school? In terms of the PSHCE lessons, so citizenship, we've spoken about how they often feel like they're not that useful. I think there are loads of things they could teach us in those lessons which would be more useful. Things like how does a mortgage work or right. how can you manage your finances better or things like the f- help to buy ISA or the right. you know investing in things. I wish we'd learned more about yeah how to invest because I feel like I never learned that wasn't really like useful. financial literacy and education. Yeah, you know, and I think things like that could be really useful. And actually, the Welsh Youth Parliament, when I was researching uh-huh. this, conducted a review which spoke to two thousand five hundred people, and they have proposed to the government that they amend the curriculum for PSHCE because it suggests their report suggested that about eight out of ten young people had been taught about internet safety and dealing with bullying, but only about one in 10 had learned about dealing with grief or political education. So things like grief, political education, mental health, are things that they want people to be talking about more in school rather than being taught a million times about being safe on the internet or being... Reality is with things like being safe on the internet, no one's following it anyway. I don't know how useful it actually is. I think a while ago I did used to believe that schools should teach financial education and I was very big on it but then I stopped and thought and I just think I feel like teachers are very overworked especially in England and are very overworked and very underappreciated and I think to lump them with teaching and financial education I do think especially during the lockdown you saw how the language was used that teachers are basically parents children's babysitters Mm. like that's how I think they're viewed by to teach them every kind of skill that they would need if we're going to have teachers teaching financial ed, then they're going to have to go and do a course or they're going to have to do some more studies. Do you know what I mean? Because how many of them really have their personal finances in check? Or like how many of them actually have a mortgage or whatever? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that we'd be placing a lot of responsibility on teachers that are already overworked, overstressed and having to deal with a government society that criticizes them for no reason. I didn't realise how criticised they were until I've gotten older. And I'm just like, why would you do that? They do so much. So I was thinking that in terms of financial ed, I was thinking if they incorporate it more into math lessons, I think that would help if them, because, you know, math teachers, they do understand them, get some numbers and stuff like that. So maybe if they were to do some like real life examples of like mortgages, Mm. of like stocks, of like investments, like what's the probability of this stock falling? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That would be more real life and more helpful. And even, I know you said about potato and osmosis, but when you make homemade chips, osmosis is very important because you have to let the chips (laughs) soak in the water for 30 minutes. And osmosis is taking Yeah, but you're a scientist, when you were saying, oh, when you were saying, oh yeah, when I was doing my hair oils and I remembered this science, I was like, mate, I would not remember any of that. Like it just, (laughs) left my head I got my GCSEs and it went and the thing is I did well in my GCSEs but I genuinely must have just like memorized that CGP book 
because God it seems when. to be, you know, God bless. it was temporary. It was in the temporary part of my head because it's gone <laughs> the temporal it's gone lobe somewhere lobe. else. Yeah. I don't know where it is. No, but I think it's interesting that you say the thing about teachers becoming more pastoral and having this pressure on them to be almost like parents, these kids. I know, but I think that there's two kind of parts to this because part of it is that, yes, too much pressure is being put on them. And I think that needs to be looked at. But it's also that if those kids aren't getting that support at school, right. um, where are they getting it? Because we're both lucky enough to have come from families where we were taught. I think my parents taught me quite well to how to do my finances and things. If we have the questions, I know my mum or my dad will answer mm-hmm. those questions that I have. But what do we do about kids who don't have that? Because it's the same with free school meals. If, if a child can't be fed at home, then they'll be fed at school. So if a child can't be taught these skills at home, should they be taught them at school? I don't know. I, okay, obviously the answer should be yes, but then you have to look at the people who are going to have to be providing that service. And are they qualified, number one? Do they have the resources, number two? Are they able to effectively teach it as well? Because my thing is, it's like, for example, we saw the job that they did teaching us PSHE. It was shambolic. So are we now putting the, the high priority of financial ed in their hands? I think not. But um, what I, I think, like what I suggest, I think having math teachers maybe, finding a way to incorporate it into their subjects would be more useful because I think then like I'm not having no disrespect to I don't know my DT teachers but them teaching me financial ed if they don't even have any understanding how it works and I think financial ed is one of those things that you learn as you grow up and you grow and you get older and it's one of those things that you have to be proactive to learn about obviously financial ed's a good example but there's there's loads of other things that we could probably be taught better about like things like you said about periods Uh maybe having more honest conversations about sex bernardo's charity conducted a survey of over 1,000 young people in 2016 this was a survey of 11 to 15 year olds and of these kids 74 percent said that all children would be safer if they had sex and relationship education suitable for their age the survey then found that half of these young people in school did not learn how to get help if they'd been abused 53% of them did not recognise the signs of grooming for sexual sexual exploitation and more than four in ten had not learned about healthy or abusive relationships. So that kind of... I think stuff uh, like that is important to be taught. It is important. And so I think that there are definitely gaps in the education that we get and with mental health as well. Yeah, because I knew people that had lost like their mum. I lost my dad in year 11, around year 11 to sixth form. A lot of people, maybe their parents got, had cancer and stuff like that. So I do think what you first touched on, maybe like grief, sexual grooming, mental health, I think that's so important. And I think it would be a, it would be a shame for children to go back to school and not see a change in the curriculum, especially mm-hmm. pertaining to mental health. Because especially during this lockdown, my sister's been talking about it so much and how it's affected her. I definitely knew people who were like having mental health problems when they were in school so I think it should be taught about definitely in citizenship but when we're looking about let's say what are taught in English and maybe our our history I have the biggest issue when it comes to English and history curriculum because I think humanities play such an important part and such a strong part in forming you and in your Mm. process and your thinking and how you think of England or how you think of the past and I think the curriculum leaves out a chunk of English history when it comes to it what are your thoughts no this is a massive issue a really big one there's massive gaps yeah there's massive gaps in the education in the curriculum 
um, in the UK. And I think that that's been a lot of light has been shed on that recently over the summer as people have started to look into things that maybe they just assumed to be true or to be the way they were just yeah. because it was the way they were taught in school. Because I'm not even talking about like black issues, for example. I do get very frustrated that because I know Michael Gove wanted history to show the best positive, I don't know, aspects of British culture. But it's like, how much of learning about Henry and his eight wives impacts me today compared yeah, to learning that. about um, British colonial history or the fact that Britain basically owned like three quarters of the world and that has a direct impact. And when we look at things like immigration and when we look at policies concerning that. So I think the fact that that is left out in history just kind of annoys me. But I think also the fact that other cultures are not talked about in history. I don't know why we never hear about Asian cultures or hear about their history because there's so much to be learned rather than picking and choosing what part of history you want to be shown I think that's very problematic in terms of our curriculum it feels like it does feel like a broken record like I feel like I've heard about Henry VIII so many times oh my gosh divorce beheaded like died divorce beheaded survived why do I have to remember that why do I have to remember that um yeah no it's actually it apart from anything else it's so boring um and then it makes you when you're thinking of English history or British history you're thinking there's a few things that come to mind but you're not thinking necessarily about the women who right exactly important figures and actually there's been a lot of work at the moment going on to try and decolonize in lots of senses the um, history that we learn so like that could be in the sense of having more women because by decolonize not just talking about like racial issues just generally on I guess it's more deconstruction undoing the way things have been for a long time that were just kind of accepted because like you said these lessons are really important and English and history particularly are so formative of how the language that we speak and how we express ourselves and if the language that we're learning and the culture that we're learning that our lives are based on is very a very kind of niche part of the cult that culture then and it's a very niche part of that language that only really works for some people then the language that we're going to grow up speaking and we're going to use when we go into jobs and when we go into the adult world is going to be limited and so we're going to have those limitations placed on us from such an early age definitely read the book of the autobiography of Malcolm X he said like education is our passport to the future for tomorrow belongs to the people who prepare for it today he's saying it's a passport for the future but if you're having if you have an education taught in a way that it's not even wholly preparing you for that or to face the realities that you're going to face it's doing those young people a disservice and inadequately preparing them for the the harsh realities that they're going to face because a lot of people don't know about colonialism or even sometimes the negative tropes in books like I was reading this article about Jane Eyre because I couldn't for the life of me figure out why I didn't like Jane Eyre when everyone else did I just felt like this book is just 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 I just don't like this book but then I went back and I was reading this article and it pointed out that all the they don't even have black characters in the book first of all but that's besides the point because it's, it's a time period I'm not gonna fight over time period but the black characters that are in the book who are of mixed race descent one of them is just like disregarded talked about really badly but then his wife his ex-wife is a mad woman trapped in an attic and it's like mm-hmm. is this what I'm getting from English that the black or um, people of color characters in these books are just seen as mad characters all the help there's no agency in those characters apart from causing destruction 
or mayhem. And so I think I only proper started to like English and only did that English A-level when we did Of Mice and Men. Because I think that was the book for me that was like, and I saw it trending on Twitter when people was like, what book in English uh, literature really changed you or really like was a defining moment. And I think it was Of Mice and Men because Lenny and, what was it? Lenny and Carl, what was his name? George. Lenny and George. Even <laughs> though the, we were so different, there was something away that book was written yeah. that it allowed, it allowed me to relate to those characters and it allowed yeah. me to really get involved and understand. I'm not saying Jane Eyre is not relatable. I think for some people it is. But I think if you really want to get people into English, which is an amazing, amazing, amazing subject, sometimes the books that we're using are just are not going to drive interest at all or like provoke thought. I think Jane Nair is a really good example because it's a story which has dark undertones, which aren't really unfolded, aren't really opened up. And I don't know if you've read Wide Sargasso Sea, but that's like the response. It's like a response to Jane Eyre and it tells the story of the wife. I agree. Um, okay, I'm gonna read she it. Comes from, she mm-hmm. comes from. She comes from. She comes from somewhere in the Caribbean. Yeah, Is she's it? somewhere from the Caribbean. I'm not sure which island though. So she it tells her story and her side of it, and it's actually really upsetting a lot of it. And mm-hmm. it's still there's still. I mean, you're not gonna read it and find that there's no racial issues because it's still right. stereotyping. Because it's it was written a long time ago as well. It was written. I'm not sure when it was written, but it was written quite soon after Jane Eyre. Right. Um and. Yeah, but that's, I think there's, for a long time, people have realised the necessity of responding to these stories that we tell with Mm -hmm. alternatives or filling the gaps, because the stories that we tell are never going to be, we can't, we can always make them more inclusive. And Mm -hmm. especially with something like you said, with constructing culture, which is what education does. And with informing people in such right. a massive way, exactly, it's so important that we have a real diversity of stories, and that comes with like having teachers who are from all sorts of backgrounds, mm-hmm. and that's. I think it's interesting that because obviously the racial issue is a massive one at the moment. There's things like the Black Curriculum, which is an organisation who looking to try and get more black stories told in the curriculum. And there's loads of there's. We'll recommend some at the end. There's loads of great like resources for that. But something I found really interesting when I was looking into it was that there's a massive concern about white working class boys particularly. Right. Because they're the most represented people group in universities. And I was trying to think about why that might be. And I thought a lot of it is probably to do with you think you can do something or you think that you can pursue something if you see yourself in it, if you see it as a word for you. And maybe there's a massive like, unrepresentation of like white working class boys or men in positions which that is true like, even in books in books yeah there's a lot of it makes it for me it really makes me so certain of how important it is yeah. that the stories we tell are inclusive because that is what forms people's vision of themselves yeah because do you know what? you're so right I've been trying to understand like the white working class boys issue and I tried to read about it and I do what you say about representation is true and also I um, think especially the environment as well because I think if the environment you grow in doesn't think education is important or don't see education as a passport and I think maybe a lot of black African Caribbean migrants do see education as kind of like the only way to like make something even to be respected in society so I do think it's an issue that needs to be thought about so would you say that the curriculum is elitist then because if it's not considering working class people and it's not considering people of colour would you say that it's an elitist system that focuses on maybe 
right upper class. I think that if it's been created, anything that's been created by a certain people group will represent that people group. So if... Mm. And Michael go, you know, have been spearheaded this. (laughs) (laughs) So if it's been naturally what we're seeing now is the effects of an education system that was built by a certain type of person and so that we need to unpick that and unfortunately that's something we're seeing across like the whole of our society so I do think that to some extent in ways that we don't understand and we might even be able to see in very unconscious ways the education system will be elitist not the system itself even necessarily mm-hmm. as in the system is but the curriculum particularly because that's what we're discussing today could be elitist because coming back to the idea of stories I think that the language we use to tell stories Mm. the way that we tell them the people who are telling them all informs how the story is received and so even even if someone is speaking a certain type of English yeah might be alienating to someone who doesn't speak that language with their family so there's a lot of layers to it that I think I do think that is definitely inform like formative of how people experience school and I think that there's also what I've seen throughout my time in school and like going to university is this massive push for STEM subjects and subjects right. that are considered mm-hmm. employable as opposed to art subjects. And so mm-hmm. I think another way that we can make things more inclusive is by giving more space and funding to subjects which aren't considered so essential. Yeah. Um, Do you know what I was thinking is that like, I don't like how we're so separated because I think because this is why there's not a lot of great things about America, but I do like their curriculum in a way, especially when you're in uni, they combine, you can do STEM and humanities, because I think as a researcher, you do need to have the ability to understand people and you do need to have the language and the ability to empathize I think English literature gives you great um, empathetic abilities because you're literally trying to put yourself in the character's shoes and understand what they're going through um, and analyze that and whatever and scientists are like analyzing huge sums of data but they have to remember that each of those data points are a human being each of that data points is someone that is alive that is um, I don't know 10% less likely to survive something or whatever so I do think there needs to be I think a a coalition or a coinciding of the skills you learn in English and history French your languages you need that to operate as a scientist so many scientists work abroad in like France or Germany and it's a multidisciplinary subject even engineering so I think it should be seen are they both as essential to each other and both help both the subjects to work Mm. so I think how we separate them quickly in England is just not really good personally yeah it's unnatural I think they do you're like right they massively play into each other and it's really important that we because the people will benefit from that exactly like you still need to be able to critically think and reason as like an English student or a history student the same way you need to do that as a science student Mm -hmm. both of the skills are needed to to be functioning humans in society but if we were to move this on to our two stars and a wish I think it's a wish and two stars you know why though because it used to be it used to be two stars and a wish, like when we used to do it in school, because I got this from when we were in school. Then when we discussed doing the podcast, we were like, mm, I think two stars is too many. And so <laughs> we decided to go for a star and two wishes. But if you have loads of stars, you keep going. No, 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 you no, no, no. I just couldn't remember now. <laughs> star and two wishes. Okay, so my two wishes would be, we didn't talk about it too much, but like I think that we could, like I said, do a whole episode on it. Arts yeah. education is so important i think we should be working more to protect it and prioritize it especially as we emerge from the covid times um 
there's been a massive decline in schools re- offering it. Like I know that in my brother's school, they don't do DT for like the first term or something. They they have a DT and art. It's like either or, you don't do both. And he's in year eight. Then the second would be that the curriculum would be more adapted for a range yeah. of people. That it would become more inclusive. And that is a very big wish because I know that that's a big task. But I think that it's little steps, things like the black curriculum, which are doing great mm-hmm. work and people reading more ethnic minorities, but also just all sorts of people groups. I think we need to make it much more inclusive. Mm-hmm. And I hope that we're making progress in that area. And then my star is just, I guess, we have some really great f- memories of school. Like, as oh, much yeah. as we, have bad, we had bad times. At, a lot of my memories of school, like I said before, are just so fun. And me and when you were in H together which was our form group and we just had some just there was just many jokes and I many, agree many with you. Fun time and many a fun changing room many a fun sports day so I'm many really staying behind that. after assembly to be sure oh my gosh yeah, yeah. <laughs> getting on report oh my gosh get on report let's not go there oh That's my gosh wait away. one thing we had this time for our listeners we had this thing where we'd get on report and it would be the whole class had to go to every lesson with this report and then the teacher had to sign it, say whether we'd been behaving. And just before we went on this report, the school made us write down the names of the people in our class who were misbehaving. They were making us snitches. And so some of us were going like, guys, just write down everyone. Just write down (laughs) everyone. And then a couple of six, I don't know who it was, but someone (laughs) wrote my name. And I wrote your name as well. Oh my gosh, I will never forget that. I no, don't I worry. I forgive you guys. Oh, that's you what school are. does. It grooms you to be snitches. Um, <laughs> yeah, Especially those are really good. Oh, that, yeah, those. Listen, my sister's stories. Anyway, um, my two wishes in the start. I think my wish would be. I really do love learning about other cultures. I think a lot of people travel. Do you know what I mean? A lot of people enjoy traveling. So I think it's a shame that we don't learn about like Asian history. Pacific Island history like more than just black history there are more mm-hmm. people in the world that I would love mm-hmm. to learn about and have an understanding of so I think that should be incorporated into our curriculum another wish would be that teachers are paid more and like are more respected in society like they do so much I remember when they used to complain I think it was my art teacher that always used to go on that she's not paid enough for this or whatever but I deeped it when I got older that, oh, they're not paid enough for that because they're only paid from their nine to five. But that doesn't include the marking that they have to do. That doesn't include the lesson preparation that they have to do. Yes, they get these holidays, but still, it's a lot that goes into being a teacher. And I think people should uphold the profession like we uphold certain professions in society mm-hmm. and see that these are the people that are shaping young people's minds for the future give them the money that they deserve and give them the time off they deserve. Because I know that the government wants them to work over the summer holidays. And I'm like, did these did these teachers not get a break? Like, can they mm-hmm. not catch a break? So that's my wish. And a star would be, I think like you, Amana, my best memories are of, of secondary school, literally. I think sixth form was just a bit there. But secondary school was just <laughs> such funny people. Like, funny people, funny songs. The best memories. I'm still friends with people today. And I am so grateful that I did go to a school that I would say was diverse. And um, forced me to interact with different cultures. Forced me to confront classism forced me to confront what racism is um but also provided a safe I would say a safe bubble sometimes in the friends that I had I'll never forget that one incident when we got in trouble for like we thought some a teacher had been a racist against us 
So then we acted like we were in shackles when we were going oh into the next lesson. And we were like singing Wait in the world. And we were singing it like all of us in church. I'm so and vividly we asked one of our friends. We asked one of our white friends to like whip us. And we're like, whip us. I think it was by A28. It was, I don't know. A28 or A27. I can't so remember. I feel like even when like things like that would happen, like it was a racist incident, like we'd find it would still be solidarity between like my friends that with diverse groups and I think that's one thing I appreciated oh it makes me miss school a lot but yeah I think there is benefits and um yeah school school is good and it does prepare you for the future your vocabulary wouldn't be as extensive as it is if you didn't study English English at school so people just need to realize it's I think as you get older you see the small ways in which school has actually helped you that's how yeah it's true it's true and sometimes you don't see it's in unseen ways that it's helped you so just quickly before we wrap up Uh, I've got a couple of recommendations. The first will be the thing I spoke about earlier, the Black Curriculum. There's loads of really great resources on there that you can use, but also support them because what they're doing and trying to get more Black Curriculum on the curriculum is really important. There's also a similar, in a similar vein, a Black History of Art as an Instagram account, which looks at history of art, but putting Black stories into it. Not actually, I say putting Black stories into it, seeing the Black stories that are there and bringing them to light and then on a more kind of general note there's a really good episode by stance on class diversity in the arts Stance is a great podcast that both of us have really enjoyed listening to so definitely have a listen of the class diversity in the arts episode which we'll put in the show notes because that one is quite a good look at how certain spheres are still quite discriminatory towards some people groups so that's all that we have for you today thank you for listening in to the elephants in the room remember to retweet us like us on instagram follow us on instagram and follow us on all our audio platforms i can't wait to see you in the next one bye bye